0: Barack Obama has spent the last several years drilling home the statistically evidence-free idea that police across the country are systemically racist. Hours before a black, anti-white racist massacred five police officers in Dallas, you remember, Obama said police shootings in Louisiana and Minnesota, which he said he knew nothing about, were, quote, not isolated incidents. They're symptomatic of a broader set of racial disparities that exist in our criminal justice system. After the cops were shot... Obama went to their funeral memorial and lectured America about the evils of police officers. He said, quote, We also know that centuries of racial discrimination, of slavery, of subjugation, of Jim Crow, they didn't simply vanish with the law against segregation. We know that bias remains. We know it. Whether you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Native American or of Middle Eastern descent or are a Pokemon, we have all seen this bigotry in our own lives at some point. No institution is entirely immune, and that includes our police departments. We know this. Carrying that message forward, CNN's Baraki Sellers argued on Sunday that, quote, we don't have a vicious cycle of black men shooting at police. That narrative ratchets up the tension in this country where it doesn't need to be, but two, it puts in danger more black men. Well, except that's not so true. If there's any systemic bias in America, it's media-produced, politician-promoted, anti-cop hatred in the black community. Here are three facts that prove it. First, cops are far more likely to be shot by a black person than to shoot a black person. Heather McDonald of the Manhattan Institute, author of The War on Cops, she makes the point that blacks are far less likely to be shot by police than would be suggested by the black crime rate. Just as importantly, quote, police officers face an 18.5 times greater chance of being killed by a black male than an unarmed black male has of being killed by a police officer. Second, often blacks think cops are criminals without any evidence. After Officer Darren Wilson shot Michael Brown under disputed circumstances, misreported by the media, Blown up by racial agitators, including the president, polls showed that a 57% majority of black people wanted to see Officer Wilson found guilty of murder and presumably go to death row, compared with 56% of whites who said they needed more evidence. Of course, Wilson was innocent. Brown was a strong-arm robber and attempted cop killer. Similarly, during the O.J. Simpson case, 60% of blacks didn't believe O.J. was guilty. The police must have been framing him. In the Freddie Gray craze, 80% of blacks thought the officers, several of whom were black, ought to be charged Compared with 60% of whites, all of the officers charged have now gotten off. Third, blacks are far more likely to profile cops than the other way around. While 59% of whites have either a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in cops, only 14% have little or none, the numbers are awful among black folks. Just 37% of blacks have a great deal or quite a lot of trust in the police, 25% have none at all. As of 2014... 74% of black people said the police were too quick to use deadly force. Only 28% of white people agreed. This, by the way, is contrary to the facts. A new study from Harvard showed whites are significantly more likely to be shot by police than black folks. The left claims that all anti-cop bias in the black community springs from historic mistreatment. Some of that's true, but it's not wholly true. Young people didn't live or grow up during Jim Crow. Instead, they've been encouraged by the media and by their politicians to see police as the enemy. And that's reflected in both action and viewpoint. That's not to deny there are many young people who feel as though they've been targeted by cops. But it is to say there is way, way more evidence of anti-cop bias than anti-black bias in police forces. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. When I some tend if to there's there's demonize people vaccinated who vaccinated don't care the about the your feelings. Okay, so here we are, and we are on the Facebook Live. You can be joining us right now. And make sure, by the way, that you subscribe later at DailyWire.com. It's just $8 a month, folks. I don't know what I have to do to get that money out of your hand. I mean, what do I have to do? Come there? I mean, come on. Okay, but if you subscribe there. You can download the rest of the show later uh, from SoundCloud or iTunes. All right, and right, let's, let's talk about the Baton Rouge shooting. So over the weekend, tons of news. As we've said about Andrew Clavin in this very office, every time Andrew Clavin takes the weekend off, it's just the end of the world. So there are a bunch of big stories. We'll get to all of them. The RNC obviously starts today. We'll go through the schedule, tell you what to look for, tell you what's worthwhile, tell you what's not. We will also, we will also make clear uh, what's going on in Turkey. We'll talk about that. But we're going to start with this, this horrible, again, shooting of officers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So over the weekend, three officers get killed in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Three more get wounded by a guy who is a black nationalist, racist, hates cops, hates, the, hates white people. And President Obama immediately issues his statement. Here's President Obama. Here's what he said about what just happened, the shooting of cops in Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
1: Regardless of what organizations you are a part of, everyone right now focus on words and actions that can unite this country rather than divide it further. We don't need inflammatory rhetoric. We don't need careless accusations thrown around to score political points or to advance an agenda. We need to temper our words and open our hearts, all of us.
0: You shut your head, sir. And the reason you should shut your head is because every word that you just said, it's like, does the guy own a mirror? Like, where is he from? What, like, d- the lack of self-awareness here, is it genetics? Like, what's, what's the story here? That, because listen to what he just said. He said, attacks on police are an attack on all of us. What have you been doing for the last several years? He says, we don't need inflammatory rhetoric. What? Wait, what, what? You had last week DeRay McKesson, a Black Lives Matter activist who says that looting is good, that race riots are You had him to the White House. He said race riots are good. You had him to the White House. And there you told the Louisiana police to be nicer to him. And we don't need inflammatory rhetoric, because we don't need careless accusations thrown around to score political points. You went to the funeral memorial of five murdered officers murdered by an anti-white, anti-cop racist. You went to their funeral memorial with their families in the audience, and you equated their murder with the killings of Elton Sterling and Philando Castile, and you have no facts on either of those. We don't need careless accusations thrown around to score political points. My God, Hillary Clinton was speaking at the NAACP today. We'll have the clips of it tomorrow. Hillary Clinton at the NAACP, and she says the same thing. Alton Sterling and Philando Castile show the police are racist. You don't even know what happened there. What in the hell are you saying? You know how bad the DNC is? You know how bad Obama is? You know how bad Hillary is? The DNC is having a very special guest speak at the convention. Seriously, this is next week. At the DNC, they are going to have, I believe in primetime, speak, the mother of Michael Brown. The mother of Michael Brown. Michael Brown was a strong-arm robber who tried to thug his way out of a convenience store with cigarillos and then proceeded to punch a cop in the face, grab his gun, and try and murder him before the cop grabbed his gun back, at which point Michael Brown turned around and charged him full-on according to black witnesses, Eric Holder's Department of Justice, and a mostly black police department and jury. Well, not police department, but jury. Because this this idea is just—it's absurd all the way through. It's absurd all the way through. He's lecturing us on coming together? He's lecturing us on coming together? Now, here's the truth. Right now, his approval rating according to ABC is 56%. His approval rating according to Gallup is 51%. Every time a cop gets killed, President Obama's approval ratings go up. You know why? You know why? Because the media then call him a racial uniter. It's a problem and the media see him as the savior, right? That's why he was elected in the first place. We have this long, terrible racial history here in the United States. It's a really bad history. We'll elect this black guy and he'll come in in his own person. He's he's both white and black. He grew up in a white household. His mom was white, his dad was black. He can unify us all. And every time there's a racial issue, the media turn back to, "Oh, he's such a uniter. Oh, he's so wonderful. He's so great." Because they, they're not going to acknowledge the obvious, which is that he's, he's exacerbating racial conflict for his own political gain. He's going back to black folks and saying, you guys are the victims. And then he's going to the media and saying, look, I'm trying to bring the country together. These are conversations we wouldn't have been able to have except for me. It's very important that I lead the conversation. It's, it's so sickening. I mean, it makes you sick to your stomach. It really is gross stuff. And again, President Obama doesn't get to claim surprise every time cops are shot. He said last Thursday, quote, I think it is fair to say we will see more tension between police and communities this month, next, year, next month, next year for quite some time. I thought it was your job to help tamp that down. I thought it was your job to help create a certain sense of unity in the United States. But apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently it's just President Obama's job to make things significantly worse. And he continues along these lines, President Obama. He says that, you know, this was an attack on all of us, this, this attack against the cops.
1: Regardless of motive. The death of these three brave officers underscores the danger that police across the country confront every single day. And we as a nation have to be loud and clear that nothing justifies violence against law enforcement. Attacks on police are an attack on all of us and the rule of law that makes society possible.
0: Oh, you mean that racist law? That systemically racist law? You mean that that whole criminal justice system that's targeting viciously young black men? Is that the system you're talking about? You know, the one that you were bashing last week? I think you'll be bashing two days from now? It really is amazing stuff. It really is amazing. The lack of self-awareness, and more importantly, he knows what he's doing. The media just don't care. They won't cover it, they won't pay attention to it, because he has to be their great racial savior. And so no matter what happens, he's the great racial savior. And then finally he adds, we should be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I mean, This kind of hypocrisy just makes you want to vomit and never stop vomiting.
1: We need what we saw in Dallas this week as a community came together to restore order and deepen unity and understanding. We need the kind of efforts we saw this week in meetings between community leaders and police, some of which I participated in, where I saw people of goodwill. now,
0: Now he says he's the great racial unifier. We need the kind of things I did at the White House, where I got cops in a room with DeRay McKesson, who just yells at cops all the time. And then we came to no agreement, but it made me look really good because I looked like I was unifying two sides. It's really, really gross stuff. It's really sickening. Now, there have been some people who have responded properly to this. The Baton Rouge sheriff. By the way, the reason this happened in Baton Rouge is because Alton Sterling was shot in Baton Rouge. Okay, understand something about the Alton Sterling case. Best available evidence right now shows that he was a criminal who resisted arrest, was illegally carrying a gun, was tackled to the ground. He had two cops on top of him. They shout, gun, gun, don't reach for it or I will blow you away, basically. And the next thing you know, they're shooting him. Does that sound to you like an unjustified police shooting? Or does it sound more like he probably reached for his gun and they shot him? because the video footage doesn't show anything. So you're gonna have to judge it just based on the evidence in front of you. But Obama doesn't. He says that Alton Sterling's a victim of our racist evil system. So does Hillary Clinton. The Baton Rouge sheriff, he was asked about gun control and here is his answer about gun control.
2: With God's help, we will get through this. To me, this is not so much about gun control as it is about what's in men's hearts. And until we come together as a nation, as a people, to heal as a people, if we don't do that, and this madness continues, we will surely perish as a people.
0: Okay, and that's exactly right. The the, the idea that there's evil in human beings' hearts, that's exactly right. But Obama forwards the evil in human beings' hearts. He's the one who's out there exacerbating it. So are the media. The media want that evil in human beings' hearts. They don't care what the evidence shows. They're not interested in what the evidence shows. They're not interested in making this conflict go away through better behavior. All they're interested in is ratcheting up the tension so they can claim to be the great savior, so they can come in and claim to be everybody's best friend. And there are victims to this. I mean, this is just heartbreaking. There's this officer who had the slain officer, one of the slain officers in Baton Rouge, a black guy. His name is Montrell Jackson. And do we have the Facebook page for Montrell Jackson? So Montrell Jackson, is a picture of him holding, I believe, his, his kid, uh, or it's his nephew, one of the two. And Montrell Jackson, he, he posted this a couple of days before he was murdered on July 8th. And he posted this about what happened in Dallas, quote, I'm tired, physically and emotionally, disappointed in some family, friends, and officers for some reckless comments. But hey, what's in your heart is in your heart. I still love you all because hate takes too much energy, but I definitely won't be looking at you the same. Thank you to everyone that has reached out to me or my wife. It was needed and much appreciated. I swear to God, I love this city, but I wonder if this city loves me. In uniform, I get nasty, hateful looks, and out of uniform, some consider me a threat. I've experienced so much in my short life, and these last three days have tested me to the core." When people you know begin to question your integrity, you realize they don't really know you at all. Look at my actions. They speak loud and clear. Finally, I want to personally, I personally want to send prayers out to everyone directly affected by this tragedy. These are trying times. Please don't let hate infect your heart. This city must and will get better. I'm working in these streets, so any protesters, officers, friends, family, or whoever, if you see me and need a hug or want to say a prayer, I got you. This guy was murdered on Sunday. He was shot on Sunday by an anti-cop, racist piece of absolute human crap. And that's driven by people who see the color of the uniform over the, over the character of the human being or the color of skin over the character of the human being. It's just, it makes you want to cry. It's, and this is what the left has brought us to. This is what the American left has brought us to. And it's just evil. It's just evil. There's a good man murdered because of the uniform that he wore in order to protect his city. And from his own note, protect people who look like him. And doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's wearing that uniform, and that's all that matters because we have systemic racism in our system, and that system must be wiped out. By the way, it is worth noting, black cops, when they say you know, shootings of, of black people, studies show that black cops are more likely to shoot black people than white people are, white cops are. And that's not a rip on the black cops. That's just an expl- it's, it's a statement that it's not racism that drives police forces. It isn't. It's an attempt to stop crime that drives 99% of police officers. And it's just it's, it's devastating when you see the president of the United States purposefully in the left, purposefully tearing apart the country along racial lines because they want law enforcement brought to its knees. All of which means that and, and you can see it in the media, you really can. You know, David Clark is a, the sheriff in Milwaukee. There was just another cop shooting in Milwaukee this morning, by the way, and uh, another cop was shot. And David Clark was on with Don Lemon on CNN and watched Don Lemon cut off his mic because Don Lemon, a member of the media, can't deal with the idea that there might be a racist tint to Black Lives Matter. Are we talking police about police officers being school.
2: under attack? Because let's go back to where this whole thing started in Ferguson, Missouri. Sure. The sure. lie With was hands respect, up, you're don't shoot. Lumping a whole bunch of things into one. If okay. We can do one specific. That's thing where and this stick whole it, phony movement we'll started. It. it started out as hands you're up, don't shoot. You're talking about you? Black Lives Matter,
1: right? Okay. So if you if you want to if you you would need to speak to someone who is a member of Black Lives Matter about whether they are have perpetrated a fraud on the American people. That's up to Black Lives Matter, that's not me. I'm neither, neither a member of Black Lives Matter, I'm neither a supporter or someone who doesn't support them. I simply report on Black Lives Matter.
2: Do you condemn the anti-police rhetoric coming from this hateful ideology?
1: As a journalist sitting here on television, I don't have to condemn anyone, that, anything. That is something that well, you I should do. ask. Other people around the country, it's their jobs to condemn Just
2: like I contemn the hateful ideology out of groups like the KKK. All right? I condemn it. There is no place in American discourse for that sort of vile, vitriolic hate coming out of this ideology. This has fueled and fanned the flames of this anger toward the American police officer. There's only one group in America, one time that truly cares about the lives of black people in these urban ghettos. And it's the American police officer who goes down there on a daily basis, puts their life on the line to protect who? Black people. So when you say we just want to have a conversation, let's have a conversation about the black on black crime, which kills more black males, which is more of a threat to any black male in the United States, than a, than, a, than a law enforcement officer. Sure.
0: Okay, and it, it gets at some point here it gets dicey because Don Lemon doesn't like what he's hearing. And he basically cuts off David Clark. You can see there, it's, it's funny to watch Don Lemon do this routine where I'm just, I'm just an innocent bystander here. I'm just a journalist. I don't take sides one way or the other. That's such nonsense. If you've watched Don Lemon for any amount of time, you know that Don Lemon is heavily motivated on the side of Black Lives Matter. Unfortunately, we have to let our Facebook Live fans go at this point. If you want to see more, go to dailywire.com. You can subscribe. The show will be up in a little bit. And you can also download the rest of the show from iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, we are the number one conservative podcast in America, and, uh, and we are a, the fastest gro- one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the country. So definitely check us out at dailywire.com. Okay, so the media have an interest in, pr- in promulgating this narrative that, the blacks, that, that Black Lives Matter and the cops are at war with each other. Even though the cops are not at war with Black Lives Matter, the, the, the cops are not interested in war with anybody. The cops are just trying to be out there policing crime and surviving. But the, the, the racial agitation definitely has an impact. It definitely has an impact. Let's look at DeRay McKesson. So I've mentioned DeRay McKesson. DeRay McKesson is a useless human. He, he's, he spends his days on earth making problems for people who are trying to make the world a better place. All he does is go out there and yell about problems that that are largely non-existent so that he can generate publicity for himself and then he gets six-figure jobs from the city of baltimore i think he has a six-figure job from the city of baltimore education department or some such nonsense Duray De- mckesson is uh, talking about all lives matter and he says all lives matter is a distraction this is him with with uh, buffoon gaston from beauty and the beast oh no it's chris cuomo sorry what is your
3: response to the idea that the hashtag shouldn't be black lives matter it should be all lives matter
4: Yeah you know it's this interesting thing where people are frustrated that black people are focusing on the unique trauma that black people have faced in this country. And I would never go to a breast cancer rally and yell out colon cancer matters. Uh, And that's what people are doing here is that they are frustrated by the fact that people are focusing on the inequity and injustice specifically targeted to black people. We know that the way blackness has functioned in this country is unique and that we have to deal with that trauma in in a different way. We also know that in focusing on black people that other people will also benefit uh, when we get to equity and when we get to justice. So uh, I think of All Lives Matter as a distraction technique that has probably been one of the most uh, through line distraction techniques of the movement. But it doesn't get us away from talking about the key issues at hand, which are police violence uh, and the world that we want to live in, which is a world where police don't kill people.
0: Okay, so here's why that's a lie. When he says Black Lives Matter is just like saying cancer matters. I've I've mentioned this on the air before. No, because if if I say breast cancer matters, the implication is not that people are out there who are seeking to kill breast cancer victims. When I, say that we're trying to, when, when I say that we're trying to cure breast cancer, everybody agrees we're trying to cure breast cancer. The implication of Black Lives Matter is that there's a whole group of people out there who don't care about black people. That's the implication. That's the implication he's making right there on TV. Right? You don't want to recognize our pain. You don't want to recognize what's going on with us. Okay, What I want to recognize is the individual racist cop who does a bad thing and then we put him in jail. What I want to recognize is the individual criminal, regardless of race, who should go to jail. What I want to recognize is on a systemic level that the biggest threat to black lives is other black folks who are engaging in gang activity. What I want to recognize is that if we want to solve the crime problem and the run-in with police problem, you're going to have to, at some point, have a population that lowers its own crime rate. That's the only way this is going to get better in any way. But that's not the goal. That's not the goal. Instead, the goal is to racially polarize for political gain. And exactly what Obama says he's not doing is exactly what he is doing. And Jason Whitlock, you know, who's, a, who's a commentator, now he's at Fox Fox Sports News 1, he commented on on the whole Black Lives Matter movement.
5: People have been forced into a a place in this country where you can't be authentic. The conversation we keep having about police violence is one of the most inauthentic conversations in the history of America. Increasingly in America, people ask you questions and are only willing to hear one answer. A hundred percent, but Colin, listen. As an African-American, and again, I've had problems with the police, and my family lost someone we love dearly to excessive police force. But the conversation about police brutality is a lie and dishonest. You're more likely as african American to be damn near struck by lightning to be killed by the police, and no one can have that conversation. And we're killing ourselves in our own communi- communities, and no one can have that conversation. And so if authentic people are attracted to Donald Trump's Stupid authenticity. I'm not gonna just. I'm not gonna diss them for it because I, I damn near get where they're coming from. Everything is so inauthentic, so bogus that you're almost backed into a corner. I found myself. I, I found you. myself,
0: and that's that, Colin Cowher, who's who's awful, but he's speaking with Jason Whitlock, and, and Jason Whitlock is exactly right. That's exactly right. He's 100% right, but that's not a conversation we can have. You know, Hillary Clinton, as I mentioned, is speaking in front of the NAACP today, and she's doing the full pander, I mean full-on pandering. And that's all she does now. She tweets out in Spanish about Donald Trump, about Donald Trump pandering over Taco Bells. I tweeted over the weekend, lady who does not speak Spanish tweets in Spanish to pander to Hispanics over Donald Trump pandering to Hispanics. That's what our politics has basically become now. You know, there is a real conversation to be had here. Donald Trump should have done it. He, he hadn't. He was invited to the NAACP. And people say, well, why didn't he go? You know, He shouldn't have gone. What's the point? They're just going to receive him badly. The point is, whenever you have a chance to speak truth to people, you go and you speak truth to people. I wish he had gone to the NAACP. And I wish that what he had said is, look, you name us cases where police do brutal things and we are happy, more than happy. Everyone is happy. We're all on the same page. Prosecute those people. But, but, if we really want to cure the problem of police relations with the black community. We need to lower the violent crime rate in the black community. And the only way to do that is to stop the government dependency, is to stop pretending that this is all a myth, that the the, the black high crime rate is all a myth. Stop pretending that the real threat to young black people is white people rather than other young black people. Stop pretending that there isn't a culture that's being instilled in particular areas of American society that's very negative for the people living in that part of American society. You know, speaking the truth sometimes has an impact. And if he's booted off the stage, fine, he's booted off the stage. Now we know where we stand. But going and speaking truth seems to me a better thing to do. So it's time for a little bit of good Trump-bad Trump. Because, of course, today is the Republican National Convention begins. It's, it's already been gaveled into, into being by Reince McPriebus. And, um, and Donald Trump, I'm not going to start with what Donald Trump said at the convention. He's not speaking until Thursday night. We'll talk about the schedule of the convention in just a minute. But I want to talk about Trump's response to Baton Rouge. Donald Trump has been handed the single best news cycle for any Republican candidate in living memory. In the last five weeks, we've had Britain exiting the EU. We've had Hillary Clinton nearly indicted for corruption. We've had terrorist attacks in Orlando, terrorist attacks in Nice. And we've had two major anti-cop terrorist attacks in the United States basically every piece of leftist foreign and domestic policy is imploding. Donald Trump has such an opportunity here, and he has a particularly strong opportunity because as I've said on this program for a long time, if Republicans want to win, they have to run on two things, strength on national policy and security at home, right? So we're talking about strong national foreign policy and we're talking about anti-crime policy here at home. There's a reason Rudy Giuliani becomes mayor of New York and it ain't because people love his economic plans. It's because he says, I'm gonna fix up Times Square it's, it's one of legitimately the only places in the political debate where Republicans and conservatives want more government, not less government. And that's when you're talking about law enforcement. And when you're talking about voting for people in government, typically the person who wants more government rather than less is at an advantage. That's particularly true on foreign policy and when it comes to keeping people safe. So Trump has a real opportunity here. So fortunately, this is where Trump is good. Yay, good Trump. Okay, so here is Donald Trump reacting to Baton Rouge.
3: Uh, We don't know the motive at this point, but it does feel to a lot of people, Donald Trump, like things are spinning out of control.
6: Well, it does. I mean, you look at so many different fronts. It's, uh, you know, radical Islam, and by the way, he seems to be a member of that group also. It seems to be uh, something going on there, but it's it's very sad what's happening. Nation of Islam. He is... uh, So,
3: Mr. Trump... Bad,
6: bad people. Bad people no question about it really bad
3: what needs to be done to stop this we are you know it seems this is happening more and more often where we're waking up and
0: reporting things like this
6: well it would be wonderful if people could turn him in i mean he had a lot of hate and you look at i looked at some of his videos they were vicious and hateful and it would be really good if people would turn him in people know i mean people have an idea at least in some cases you look at some of these killers in orlando as an example uh, it was all over, that he was bad, something was going to explode, people could turn him in, and if if when they're turned in, like in the case of Orlando, people did report him and nothing happened, uh, if we had real experts that when they turn him in, they could nab him in some form, they could see you know, before it was going to explode, but it's, it's not an easy situation, there's no question about
0: it. Okay, so my mistake, that's a little bit of ad Trump. The reason it's a little bit of bad Trump is because this particular shooter, this particular shooter is not a, a radical Muslim. He joined the Nation of Islam, which is a different thing, and Trump mixes up the two, but here's good Trump. Now we'll get to actual good Trump. Here's actual good Trump. He, he asks, how many officers have to die before we do something decent here? So he says, he tweets, we grieve for the officers killed in Baton Rouge today. How many law enforcement and people have to die because of a lack of leadership in our country? We demand law and order. And contrary to popular opinion, he doesn't mean the show with Jerry Orbach. He actually is saying that he demands... Law and order, which is exactly right. You have, to, you have to run on law and order. That's how you're going to win an election. He talks about our country being divided. He says, quote, Our country is totally divided, and our enemies are watching. We are not looking good. We are not looking smart. We are not looking tough. President Obama just had a news conference, but he doesn't have a clue. Our country is a divided crime scene, and it will only get worse. Okay, if, I wish that Trump were even stronger on this. Well, I really do, because this, again, would be a big opportunity for him to come out in favor of the guys in blue. Say Those people are what stands between you and chaos. Those people are the people who grease the skids that make society possible. Those are the people who who ensure that you can go about your daily business in safety and security. You know We all take that for granted. But calling them out, calling them racist, suggesting that they are systemically biased against certain groups of people is just nasty, especially without evidence. Stand with the cops. Stand with law enforcement. Now would be such a good time for them to do this. Again, folks, this is not— you know, me being anti-Trump or pro-Trump. Here's my, here's my view of this election, as you know, okay? My vote is my own. What I choose to do with my vote is my own choice. You're an adult. You can make your own choice. My job here is to provide you with what I believe to be true commentary and to provide you with, with my perspective on the issues. And then you go and make an adult responsible decision. I'm not here to show for Trump. And I'm certainly not here to show for Hillary, who I think is evil. I think that Hillary's evil. I think Trump is, is an ignorant buffoon. That being said, there's an opportunity for Donald Trump to actually make hay out of an issue that matters. Make head out of an issue that matters. So, that said, Donald Trump did a little bit of that over the weekend. Most of the weekend was dedicated to introducing Mike Pence to the world. So, he goes through this whole rigmarole and finally selects Mike Pence from Indiana as his running mate. And apparently, Chris Christie is the saddest man at the Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, Chris Christie is, is just—he showed up to the convention wearing a red polo shirt and looking like the Kool-Aid man. Like, he's going to bust through the wall and go, yeah! But— <laughs> <laughs> but he, was, but a sad Kool-Aid man, so more like, yeah. So, he, so anyway, he, uh, he shows up at the convention, and he was really ticked because apparently Trump basically promised him that he would that he would make him his vice president. I mean, honestly, Chris Christie should have known. He, he promised both of his first two wives that he wouldn't cheat on them, and that didn't work out well either. But in any case, Chris Christie uh, is, uh, is, is thrown over. Apparently, Trump was thinking on Thursday night, late Thursday night, can I still throw over Mike Pence? Uh, and then he decided not to. He decided that he would stick with Pence because Paul Manafort, his, his kind of lobbyist—well, not his lobbyist, his, his, man, his campaign manager—he uh, said, you should pick Pence. So, number one, Republicans keep waiting for Donald Trump to pivot. So Reince Priebus, who's now becoming just a parody of himself, he's just an awkward man looking ever more awkward. Here's what, here's what Reince Priebus had to say about, about Trump news.
6: What you're seeing with the Pence pick— I think the last few weeks have been very good for him. I, I know what, what he's thinking about the convention and the future. I think he understands it fully, the pivot to the general. He's never run before mm-hmm. for anything. He has been in primary mode for a year, and it was a tough, bruising situation, right. and I think it's just taken longer to pivot, and I think he's pivoting.
0: Okay, that that dude has all the charisma of a Manila envelope. Uh, and- and he's saying that the Trump will pivot. Okay, so we're waiting for the Trump pivot. So while we wait for the Trump pivot, uh, Trump does a sixty minutes interview with with Mike Pence. And number one, it looks like they did this sixty minutes interview from the anteroom of Saddam Hussein's palace. Like they did it. It's, it I mean, this thing makes Liberace look subtle. Yeah, they're, they're sitting there, and, they, and they've got these kind of gold-festooned chairs and this white piano in the background, and Liberace singing in the background. There's like a tiger on it. It's all weird. And, and what, what made it really weird is that Pence is actually a pretty articulate politician, and Donald Trump is famously inarticulate. And so what, what happens is it's basically like Donald Trump says something like, I'm going to make everything good. It'll be smart. And then Mike Pence goes... I think what Donald is trying to say is we really need to cut back on our entitlements. They're really costing us too much money and are causing trillions of dollars of debt in the future. We're not going to be able to repay without either raising taxes or inflating the currency. And then Donald goes, right. And that's pretty much how the interview goes. So here's some of the more awkward moments from the Trump-Pence partnership.
7: We have to with, wipe out ISIS. These are people that you have troops on the ground. Uh, I am going to have very few troops on the ground. We are going to have unbelievable intelligence, which we need, which right now we don't have. We don't have the people over there. We are going to Can use airpower. Excuse me, and we're going to have surrounding states, and very importantly, get NATO involved because we support NATO far more than we should, frankly. Because you have a lot of countries that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. But I still don't know if you're going to send troops over. Very right. little. But declare I'm going to get war, neighboring states, and I'm going to get. We are going so to get NATO. We're going to wipe them out with the white Declare war. Right. Listen, what does this, that mean? This is
1: the kind. Of, this is the kind of leadership
7: that America needs. <laughs> And we're going to declare war. It is war. When the World Trade Center comes tumbling down with thousands of people being killed, people are still I have friends that are still suffering. Well, we did suffering. go to war, if you remember, we went to Iraq. Yeah, you went to Iraq, but that was handled so badly and that was a war. By the way, that was a war that we shouldn't have because Iraq did not knock down. You running me, mate Iraq didn't knock for right? it. I don't care. What do you mean you don't care that he voted? It's a long time ago, and he voted that way, and they were also misled. A lot of information was given to people, this, but you. I was against the war in Iraq from the beginning. Yeah, but you've used that vote that of Hillary's, that was the same as Governor That's Pence, right. many people as uh, the example of her bad judgment. You've many people have, time. and frankly, I'm one of the few that was right on Iraq. Yeah, but what about he so, He's entitled to make a mistake every once in a while. <laughs> but she's not. Okay, come but on. But she's, yeah. not. she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> Got it. And I did very well in Indiana, like I did just about everywhere so else. In all fairness, but I got to know him very well, and I would say that he thought about it a little bit. And about two seconds later, he called me with his incredible <laughs> wife and said, we that like, "I'd like to be." Uh, but what does he? Like many he, others, how does he help you? A lot of the conservatives are very happy. Very happy. Was that part of the yes? Decision? It was part of unity. I'm an outsider. I'm a person that used to be establishment. When I'd give them hundreds of thousands of dollars. But when I decided to run, I became very anti-establishment, because I understand the system he better than anybody else. Uh, he's very establishment in many ways, and that's not a bad thing. But I will tell you, I have seen... You're a brash New Yorker. <laughs> religious. Religious? Religious. Right? Yeah, religious. Would- hey, I won the evangelicals. The evangelicals... <laughs> that doesn't mean you know, know. Nobody <laughs> thought. Well, I think it means a lot. <laughs> She's Crooked Hillary, I, don't, I didn't ask him to do it, but I don't think he should do it because it's different for him. But I, he, He's not that kind of a person We're different people. Don't you think he to thinks use To me, she's Crooked wrong. Hillary. I don't think he should use John McCain. Do and you think uh, he went too far? I, you could say yes. I, I, that's okay. On that I, one, you could say yes. I mean, yeah, no, it's fine. Hey, look, I like John McCain. But we have to take care of it No, but I want to know if okay. Mr. Pence would saying. go in and that's say to you, I'm what are you, what did you say? You know, would you do something like that? The Constitution, there's nothing like it. But it doesn't necessarily give us the right to commit suicide as a country. It speaks from his heart. and uh, Well, I had to speak from my heart and my brain, just right. so we understand. Oh, my God. Right.
0: Right. A, <laughs> okay, maybe I'm more sorry. important. It's so the painful. The American people... Oh. Ex- it's so painful. And it goes on like this. It was like this the entire interview. It's so painful. Mike Pence here looks like he's like the husband with the wife who gets real, like, she's very unhappy at home, and she gets wildly drunk at dinner with another couple. And she's just, and she's just falling all over herself. He's like, oh, God, I can't believe that TV show. He's like, honey, honey, just, uh, he's like grabbing her under the table, like, please. Hey, no, I want to talk. Why are you always trying to keep me quiet? Why don't you love me anymore? That's what it looks like here it's so uh it's such an odd dynamic. This is why they're they're campaigning separately. <laughs> they need a separation, they need a trial separation, so it's it's just bizarre and Penn sitting there awkwardly is just the greatest thing in the world. It's really entertaining, so as you know i i'm I've come to the point in this election cycle where everything is such crap that anything that entertains me is just worthwhile. So this is this is very entertaining. See, Hillary's not even entertaining because Hillary's just evil. So evil is less entertaining. This is just buffoonery, so that's pretty so that's pretty funny. I mean, like him sitting there saying that he's going to declare war on ISIS, but he's going to send very few troops, but not like after 9-11. But we did send troops, but he didn't like that. But Pence did, but Hillary did also. Like Okay, so this is a problem. <laughs> this is a problem, guys. And this is why Donald Trump is not blowing away Hillary in the polls. And he should be. He should be really far ahead of her at this point. This should not be a close election. All the events have gone in his favor. Hillary's so unpopular. She's so deeply unpopular. And I think that this this partnership is not going to work particularly well because you got the freewheeling Trump on the one hand, you've got the straight-laced Pence here sitting there just gripping and grinning and trying desperately to, to not I mean, it, 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 it's it's a it's bizarre world. It's bizarre world. And it's going to get worse, by the way. On the Democratic side of the aisle, Hillary—if Hillary picks Elizabeth Warren, it's going to be two crazy shrews on one hand. And over here, you're going to get crazy uh, crazy Donald and his ventriloquist dummy, Mike <laughs> Pence, on his lap. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. OK, so, as I say, you'll make your own call, OK? You know, <laughs> you'll make your own call. And, and again, this, this doesn't go to values. It doesn't go to the positions they take. I don't even know what positions Trump takes. Um, But it does go to, if this is the pivot, if this was the pivot, then um, we have a problem. Meanwhile, the Obama administration continues to be completely delusional. So uh, there was that that attack in Nice last week where this evil piece of crap, Islamist, jihadist, he drove a truck over 150 people, basically. Uh, And good news, John Kerry, John Kerry, our Secretary of State, he says that ISIS is on the run. And this is proof because it turns out that more dead people in the West is proof that ISIS is on the run.
6: What we believe this indicates, however, is that Daesh, ISIL in Syria and Iraq is under great, great pressure. And people are acting out in various places. They are not growing in their ability to do things. They are shrinking. We've taken back 40%, 45% of the territory they held in Iraq. We're squeezing town after town. We've liberated communities. We're making progress now, advancing on Mosul in Syria. Likewise, they're not able to attack and hold towns. They are on the run. And I believe what we're seeing are the desperate actions of an entity that sees the noose closing
0: around it. Okay, so two things. One is, it's true that ISIS is seeing some some problems. They're not on the verge of collapse. I mean, when he says that, that, that they're on the run, that they're on the verge of collapse, no, they'll be there for another few years at least. I mean, they're not, it's not like they're, they're two months away from complete destruction. And the longer it takes for us to destroy them, the more they can lash out at people and the more they can do these evil things. John Kerry and his, and his Easter Island egg face, you know, him, him going around saying things like they're on the run, it just sounds delusional at a time when people are running, uh, are running these folks over. It also depends who takes over for them. Okay, If Iran fills that gap— if, if ISIS goes away and Iran fills that gap, we're no better off. Right now, it's being reported by the Associated Press. This is breaking news. Get you ready for this. Remember Obama said about the Iran deal that it was going to stop the Iranian nuclear program? Quote, they just revealed a document. Quote, the document is the only secret text linked to last year's agreement between Iran and six foreign powers. It says that after a period of 11 to 13 years, Iran can replace its 5,060 inefficient centrifuges with up to 3,500 advanced centrifuges. Since those are five times as efficient, the time Iran would need to make a weapon would drop from a year to six months. In other words, the Obama administration made it easier for the Iranians to to get a bomb. And here they are talking about our security. This is why I say, folks, Donald Trump should be up 1,000 points in the polls, because this is Hillary's administration, and she's evil, and she's terrible, and she's corrupt. And the Obama administration is gross, from Black Lives Matter to Iran. And Trump, his wild incompetence is actually insulting. It's actually an insulting thing at this point. Maybe he can get it under control. Maybe he can. Maybe he'll start being a, a, an actual, honest-to-God, thinking human being. But somehow I sort of doubt it. Okay, time for a thing I like and then a thing I hate. So, things I like. So this week we're going to do uh, the scariest scenes in movies. So, I'm not doing horror movies because I'm not a big fan of horror movies. Plus, I don't think that they're particularly scary so much as just kind of surprising. Like, they're, they're more shocking than scary. I'm I'm talking about like things that creep you out, things that would actually scare you if you saw them in real life. Not like the easy scare is it's dark in a room and someone pops their head up and you weren't expecting that. But that's that's less that's more shocking than scary. This is maybe one of the scariest scenes in movies, and it's it's funny, but it's scary. It's the scene from the Goodfellas with Joe Pesci and Ray Liotta. And Joe Pesci, who's one of the most frightening figures in film history in this particular film in, in Goodfellas. Not a film I, I greatly enjoy, but this is a scary scene. He's absolutely volatile. He'll kill people for like nothing. And there's this scene with Ray Liotta where he's making everybody laugh around the dinner table. And then things get very, very tense.
4: It's funny. Really
7: funny. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> what do you mean, I'm funny? <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know. <laughs> you're, it's a good
6: story. It's funny. You're a funny guy.
4: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> funny. What do you mean? You mean the way I talk? What? It's just, you know, you're just, you're just funny.
6: It's.
3: Funny, you know, the way you tell the story and
4: everything.
2: Funny how? I mean, what's funny about it? <laughs> yeah, Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. He's... Oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows
0: what he said. What'd you say? You're right. Funny how? Just... What?
4: Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? let me understand this, because I you know. Maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm f- fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the f*** am I funny? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's
0: funny.
3: Get the f*** out of here to Tommy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I almost had him. I almost had him. Stuttering. Yeah, stuttering. Yeah. Frankie, was he shaking? <laughs> you sometimes,
4: Henry, you may fold under questioning.
0: <laughs> okay, legitimately right after that, legitimately right after that, a guy comes up and gives him the bill and he hits him in the head with a bottle. So it's, so it's a, you know, that's, that's one of the scarier scenes in movies. One of the scariest movie, movie villains ever. So we'll do scary movie villains this week. Okay, time for A Thing I Hate. So last week, I thought for once there might be a ray of sunshine in the news cycle. I thought there might be something good happening in the news cycle. This was the coup in Turkey. So, the Turkish president Recep Tayyip Erdogan is an Islamist, Hamas-loving, quasi-ISIS-friendly piece of dreck. He's a bad guy. And he's taken Turkey, which was a secular haven, and he has turned it back into an Islamist state. So now he's been purging the military for 10 years. He's been reintegrating radical Islam into the life of the nation. He's basically bought off some of the political interests in the country, so he's gone to the Kurds basically and almost allowed them to set up a separate Kurdistan in the east of Turkey. so the Kurds are, are sort of okay with him kind of but the but basically by by purging all these people uh, he's he's setting up himself for a dictatorship an Islamist dictatorship and getting rid of the democracy so there's an attempted coup on Friday, and it's still unclear what exactly happened here. It unfolded in real time it was over within five hours of it starting basically it looked like a splinter group from the military tried to take over all the offices of the government they made the 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 crucial first mistake they didn't capture Erdogan himself if they had they could have locked him up they could have imprisoned him that's what the military did in Egypt with Mohammed Morsi the Muslim Brotherhood guy who was elected they didn't do that with Erdogan then there was a backlash these military guys were arrested by Erdogan's police and now he's arresting 6,000 members of the military he's imprisoning judges people are gonna get shot He's going to crack down on the press. He's cracked down on all the members of the media, basically. He's shutting down the Internet. He's doing all the things. So there are people who say that this might have been fake, that basically it was set up by Erdogan in order to allow him to consolidate his power, that he basically put these people up to a coup. They tried a coup. It failed. And now he comes in and he says, OK, we're going to clean everything up. Now, naturally, the Obama administration waited until basically this thing was over, and then they declared support for Erdogan. Oh, democracy must trump all. Okay, I want to make a quick point about democracy here, because I got into this debate with this guy named, I think it's Owen Wilson, uh, not the actor, Owen Wilson um, in, uh, in Britain. He's a socialist. And, uh, and he, I think he's, he, if he's not a member of parliament, he's a top official in labor. And he was saying, no, democracy is the most important thing. Democracy is the second most important thing. Values are the most important thing. So Hamas was elected in the Gaza Strip. Hitler was fairly elected in elections. And Mussolini was elected. I would rather have, and I think so would you, I would rather have an unelected but liberal government, like classical liberal government, than an elected socialist or fascist government. And especially if they're going to use that election to undermine the possibility of all future elections, which is basically what Erdogan has been doing. He's imprisoning dissidents and cracking down on the press and, and purging the military and going after judges. You know, the fact is that, naturally, Obama took the wrong side because he always takes the wrong side. That's just what he does. But the reality is that what we need in the world is is... Voting, sure, but that's a secondary concern to the values that underlie the voting, which is why you know, the Bush administration's idea that if we just let everybody vote, they have this, this yearning in the human heart for freedom. It's such nonsense. You have to be trained in freedom. Children have to be trained in freedom. Children are born into dependency, but have to be trained in freedom. Because freedom gives, it means the ability to make decisions for yourself that aren't stupid. You have to be trained to be a civilized human being to really value and, and like freedom and want to defend it. That isn't true for a lot of these countries. For a lot of these countries, a lot of the people there have been trained not in freedom. Now, in Turkey, they have a population that largely has been trained in freedom. But in the last couple of decades, it's been infused with this, this Islamism that is going to be very damaging to that state. What was an ally of Israel and the EU is turning against it now. The EU has basically been accepting refugees from Turkey by the hundreds of thousands in the past few years. A lot of the refugees that you're seeing right now from Syria and Libya are being funneled through Turkey into the rest of the EU this is really bad news is really terrible ralph peters lieutenant colonel ralph peters is on fox news talking about the turkish coup and he basically gets it right
3: well the, the situation is indeed murky we won't know until tomorrow morning at the earliest what's really who's really winning or who has won both sides are trying to spin it but the macro picture is very very clear this coup is turkey's last chance to be to avoid becoming an authoritarian islamic regime if not an outright islamist dictatorship and we should make no mistake the people staging this coup are the good guys it sounds paradoxical but they're the ones on the side of constitutional democracy president erdogan has been dismantling the secular constitution the secular legacy of Atatürk, packing the courts packing the legislature packing the upper ranks of the military all with islamists he is not our friend He is not Turkey's friend, and if this coup fails, you will see a crackdown, and it will be the excuse to eliminate the last vestiges of secularism.
0: And that's exactly what's happening. That's what we're watching happen in real time. And that's just more terrible news, but this is the year of terrible news, so why not? Whatever is the worst thing that's going to happen, it's going to happen. Just accept it, okay? Basically, accept it at this point. You know, the asteroid hitting the Earth would be an upgrade. So just expect every piece of news to be bad from here on in, and then it'll get worse on weekends when Clavin is off, and then we'll force it. We'll, we'll bring him back in here. We'll chain him up, and we'll force him to do a show, and then the news will get slightly better briefly, and then he'll leave again, and it'll just get worse and worse. So with that uplifting news... Welcome to RNC Convention Week. We'll be covering that. Not a lot of news breaking from there right now. There's apparently some talk that they're trying to force a vote on the convention floor to unbind the delegates anyway, which would be very interesting. But we'll bring you all the updates, all the relevant updates on tomorrow's broadcast. This is Ben Shapiro, and this is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First,